Welcome to Sooners Extra, the podcast powered by the Oklahoman. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, joined by Jenny Carlson and Joe Masato today. The Sooners Extra podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings, stop in today, or visit zaxby's.com. Now, uh, we had OU Media Day over the weekend, or Friday, I guess, sort of over the weekend. Yeah, the start it was kind of the, of the weekend. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some, some interesting uh, stuff coming out of there, but... Probably the most interesting, Jenny, was getting a chance to talk to two people who were very much in the crosshairs this year, and that is uh, defensive coordinator Alex Grinch and quarterback Jalen Hurts. You wrote about Grinch. I wrote about Hurts uh, for Saturday's paper. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what was your main takeaway out of listening to uh, what Grinch had to say? Well, you know, I thought it was interesting, and I, I'm, I think we've talked about it. You guys have as well, the some of the pretty honest uh, opinion of um, the honest opinion of Alex Grinch about his defense during the spring. You know, he didn't, uh, he didn't mince many words. It didn't seem anyway in some of his evaluations with us. And you got to think if he's yeah, doing shockingly thin, I think was yeah. what he said at one point. And, and I think that was shockingly honest <laughs> to a lot of Sooner fans. I don't know if they wanted to hear that necessarily. So, you know, I, I wanted to sort of write a little bit about that and, you know, they kept up this uh, this whole, um, you know, reminder of just how bad they were last year in the weight room in the offseason. 129-somethings <laughs> at the end of every workout. Reps, yeah. uh, seconds, whatever. That was their rank against the pass defense, uh, pass defense last year. So, you know, he, he reminded these guys of how bad they were. And, that you know, the hope is that in doing that, that becomes motivation to um, get better. And those guys said, hey – you know, we don't want to go back there. And so it was interesting to hear that. And um, it will definitely be interesting to see now that they're turning the page to the fall. What does he say about his guys? Um, you know, what are we hearing? Um, those sorts of things. And obviously it all comes down to what they do. I mean, it's it's not about what they say. In the end, it's about what they do. So can they get out there and start to get this thing turned around? That's going to be the biggest question for them that they'll have to answer on the field. Yeah, and then uh – Joe, when it comes to, to quarterbacks, and I think everybody got the sense of just w- how everybody views this quarterback race when uh, Alex Grinch just finishes and they people scatter around the room to talk to quarterbacks, and everybody virtually in the room was gathered around Jalen Hurts, and I don't think there was anybody around Tanner Mordecai <laughs> I, for I, I a, think, a yeah. few moments. I think there was one person around Tanner Mordecai uh, somebody got their one-on-one with Tanner Mordecai while Jalen Hurts was being surrounded in the corner of the room, and it was it was funny to contrast just that scene with the words that we had heard probably ten minutes before, or, you know, a little longer than that before about Lincoln Riley discussing the quarterback competition and not naming a starter yet. We did not at all expect him to because nothing <laughs> had changed by from the last time we had you know talked to him about that. Um, but he, he he did offer some hints at it, saying that he would like to do it um, sometime during camp rather than wait till week one of the of the season. Um, Baker Mayfield in 2015 and Kyler Murray last year, I think they were the, named the starters on the 22nd and the 24th. Mm-hmm. So yeah, still, which bo- in both cases was about uh, 11, 12 days before 11 days, 10, yeah. 11 days before the start of uh, the season. So. Probably still a couple weeks to go if you're looking for any sort of news <laughs> on that front, I guess. Yeah, and here's the thing. The whole quarterback battle storyline, it's all about 
the internal rather than the external. Yes, we all want to know who's going to be the starter, although you know, in reality all of us know who's going to be the starter, but we all want to have that official announcement. But the fact is it's, it's for the team to keep everybody invested in both those guys in case Jalen Hurts happens to go down to an injury. You know, it's a whole lot easier to get your guys motivated around somebody who was pushing and fighting to be the starter. And then you say, well, you know, he might have been the starter anyway. Things like that. So it's it's much as much about the internal as it is the external to that. I don't expect the announcement to come until a similar timeline. I think by that time you sort of have to lock in on game preparation uh, for, for the Houston game, and you need to have somebody getting the number one reps clearly. But at this point, there's no reason to name a starter, and I, I don't think there's any way that Lincoln Riley will do that, especially given the fact that he wants to sort of inject uh, Spencer Rattler uh, into this thing and uh, at least make him feel like he's has been given a legitimate shot to earn the starting job. Don't you guys, um, I mean, again, Lincoln Riley not saying for sure, but you, it's really hard to ignore when you talk to guys um, you know, about off-season workouts and that sort of thing. And you don't necessarily bring up Jalen Hurts, but the way that these guys talk about him or bring him into conversation, it it feels like to me that it hasn't been made official, but Jalen Hurts just kind of took <laughs> that and, and assumed that and went with that. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe we'll all be, you know, jaws on the floor, <laughs> knock us off our chairs surprised, and Tanner Mordecai is named the starter, but there's a lot of you know, sort of not prompted stuff that just makes you think it's Jalen Hurts without any question. Yeah, I think two things to that. One, Jenny, I think you were around C.D. Lamb uh, at Big 12 Media Days when yeah. this sort of came up, and C.D. Lamb all but said that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. The way that he was talking made it very clear who he expected to be and sort of stopped himself at one point and threw in Tanner Mordecai <laughs> as sort of, I don't want to say an afterthought, but uh, you know, certainly wasn't who he expected. And I think the other thing is I can't remember a player, uh, certainly in my time around OU, that has come in and on day one he's sort of been the unquestioned leader of the team. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts really grabbed this thing, and that has to do with the way that he approached things at Alabama. I think the the way that Nick Saban sort of molded him, the way his dad molded him as a high school coach, and uh, – he wa- he walked in those doors and it was his team, which was really interesting on a team that had so many players who could have made it their team. You know, guys like uh, C.D. Lamb and uh, Creed Humphrey, even though he's a little bit younger guy, although he's in his third year. Um, and you know, so many of those, you know, Trey Sermon and Grant Calcaterra, and on and on and on. But Jalen Hurts really uh, took control of that. It's also been interesting, just from a leadership perspective something that uh ryan you and i have talked about just going out to these first couple days of fall camp we've seen jalen hurts be the last guy off the field and it's been very noticeable it hasn't been particularly close and i yeah, think it's not nothing, like he's leaving like right after the the guy he's just like waiting around to be the last guy off yeah he is you know 10 15 minutes hmm. uh at times after everybody else is off the field and he's still out there uh, finishing up some extra work. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of goes into the cliche of like first guy to get there, last one to leave. And like Jalen is seeming like I don't think he's 
like looking around, making sure, okay, I'm the last one now I can leave. It just seems like he's doing his own thing and he looks around, everyone's gone. It's like, yeah, I guess I'll go now. I mean, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, it's also interesting the reactions that Alabama fans have had to that because it's sort of like uh, this is this is the guy that we knew. Uh, he's still very much loved in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, mm-hmm. and across the state of Alabama, and there's reasons for that, and I think we're seeing that with the leadership that he's shown, the ownership that he's shown of this team, even though he hasn't been a part of it, uh, t- to really say, hey, which is funny that saying, hey, we need a culture change here, yeah. but he's sort of one he's taken that and sort of projecting it back to the offense where it's not just all eyes on the defense uh but also i think there are things that could be changed all around that sort of get you to that place where you they this team uh wants to be and expects to be by the end of the season you know We've talked about how uh, the the players, the coaches seem to be reacting. Joe, you were um, able to get to some of the meet the Sooners part of Friday. I'm wondering what what was the fan interaction with Jalen Hurts like? I mean, quarterbacks are always the most mm-hmm. popular, but here's a guy that they haven't really got to know. What, what was that like? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's interesting because Jalen doesn't have this at least from what we've seen early on, this big personality that really matches, I think, his stardom and how much OU fans already seem to love him. So, like, he seemed very, like, cool and calm about this whole thing. Um, But you could just – I feel like you can just tell by, like, the looks on the kids' faces who are, like, going up and, you know, shaking his hand, taking pictures with him, getting his autograph. And it's like, you know, they pass by the other quarterbacks, but they just, like, are staring at Jalen Hurts. (laughs) Like, wow, that's actually him. So I very much got that sense and just – I mean, you can tell the quarterback line is always the longest, so that's probably not the best indicator. But, I mean, it was just snaking all through the east side of the stadium. And it's clear, you know, if they didn't have – a guy like Jalen Hurts, like if you know OU is entering the season with Tanner Mordecai as their guy, I don't know that that would be the case with like that quarterback yeah. line. Yeah, he definitely brings not only his experience but you know his star power. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be honest, this is a guy who's been a household name in college football for four years now almost. So I think that's a you know I mean I, we've seen that with Baker Mayfield, we've seen that with with uh, Kyler Murray, but Jalen Hurts, I think as far as being established. Prior to, I mean, there's no question who, even though Mayfield and Murray played prior to coming to OU, you know, there's obviously the break between their previous stop and when they became the starter at OU. You're going, you know, you're going from SEC championship game eight months ago or whatever to right now he's sitting at the front of the line for, you know, meet the Sooners day. So that's an interesting situation. And yeah, the star power that he brings, I don't think it's, I mean, there's no question about yeah, that. Yeah. Like some, uh, a little girl gave him these sunglasses with like, uh, OU, like, you know, printed over the frames and stuff like that. And, and just him wearing those and like being in his OU jersey, it's still kind of surreal to see <laughs> yeah. it because it's like for so long we've associated this guy with one program <laughs> and it's like same color, but like something's a little off here. Well, I think I might have mentioned this to you guys at one point, but um, when we were down there for Pro Day uh, back in, <laughs> when were we down there? February? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, March. March? Okay. Because it was, it was early in March. Joe was in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the Big 12 uh, basketball right. tournament. That's right. You left us, always... Joe. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry. But, hey, it was my first pro day that I've been here in forever since that's right. I wasn't on the basketball team. Welcome. Uh, so, but we were at pro day and, you know, lots of people floating in and out and all the scouts and different people. 
And there's this guy that I saw a couple times. I'm like, golly, he just he looks familiar. <laughs> I'm like, the, oh, it's a player. I mean, I was like, I know it's a player. It literally took me like three times before I was able to do the association with that's Jalen Hurts. Yeah. He's not at Alabama anymore. He's walking around on campus carrying his backpack and his, you know, student gear, and here he is. And I just, it did not click. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, it just, you sort of have to be like, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay. All right, so we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. We're going to be back to talk about some non-quarterback stuff with Oklahoma. Oh, even okay. Though, uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple <laughs> things going on. But uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and Google Podcast app. So we sure appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Stop in today. Or visit Zaxby's.com. Uh, let's talk about the defense a little bit more, uh, Joe. Uh, yesterday, well, we're, we're speaking on Tuesday. Uh, on Monday, we got a chance to talk to some more defensive players after practice. A really hot <laughs> practice out there. Um, we got to talk to some defensive players at, at Media Day on Monday, and I think, or uh, on Friday. And one of the big themes was the defensive line trimming down. And you could see it, I, I think, as much as anybody. And Dylan Fahmatow, uh, t- I talked to him uh, a little bit after Monday's practice. We talked to Neville Gallimore. You can tell it in him that he's lost uh, a fairly significant portion of weight. But w- what do you make of that and the way it fits into what Alex Grinch wants to do defensively? Yeah, I, I remember talking to Neville Gallimore at Big 12 Media Days, and he said that one of the best parts of Alex Grinch's system is that it's going to allow the defensive linemen to make plays in space, which is something you don't really hear about D linemen. But them slimming down, becoming faster, we keep hearing speed D. It's not just the secondary. It's those guys, It's that front seven as well with the defensive linemen and linebackers. Neville Gallimore was listed at 330 last season. He said he's under 300 for the first time since high school. So I, I think that goes into it. Um, several other guys up there, I mean, they're – they're all embracing sort of the speed D thing, and I think losing some weight and being more active up front is part of it. And, Jenny, I know you talked to some of those guys, especially I think Neville and, mm-hmm. and Ronnie Perkins, uh, about that. It, it does seem like it fits really well into what Alex Grinch wants his defensive lineman to do because for so long in OU's defensive scheme, it was much more about the defensive lineman just, uh, you know, taking up space and, and – uh, clogging up offensive linemen to free up linebackers and and safeties at times to come up and make plays rather than making the plays themselves this this time the defensive linemen are asked to do uh, much more in that uh, sort of one gap look that Alex Wrench likes yeah and that uh, that is going to be a change you know I I, I still think that you know any defensive coordinator would be pretty excited if you've got some playmaking linebackers doing their thing but you know, they know Jenny loves her linebackers. <laughs> Get out there and do something. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Jenny mentions Curtis Lofton in three. <laughs> I actually wasn't. Uh, but thank you for bringing him up. Uh, but I, I do think that it is um, it is sort of a change on that defensive line. Now, I still think uh, you know what they do in the secondary is paramount to everything. I, I'll, I'll pre- preface this by saying that because. You know, we have evidence. You don't have to look very far. 
you know, look at what Oklahoma State did last year. They were fifth in the country in sacks. So they got after the quarterback, and they still gave up big chunk plays when they were in bad, you know, bad position with the secondary. So pressure up front, important, but it's still going to be the secondary. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see, can Oklahoma's defensive line start to get back to some of the um, disruptive force that they were um, maybe not since you know a Gerald McCoy type was there. I mean, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's since been a while since they had a, a really. I mean, uh, you know, Jordan Phillips was a really good lineman, but didn't just change games like this. I think mainly because of, uh, in large part, because of the schemes they had. But yeah, yeah, Gerald might be the last just really game changer. Yeah, and guy I'm, up front, and they had this great stretch of them for so right, long there. Right, early Tommy in the Harris, Dvorak. I mean, yeah, on and on down the list of guys that you know could make life really miserable so you know I don't know if they've got anybody capable like that on the defensive line maybe they can prove it though I mean maybe this is where we start to um, see you know you mentioned the the early days of the Stoops era he took guys that were already on campus and not doing much (laughs) and suddenly they become some of the greatest players that you know we've seen in the last 30 years in Oklahoma football I mean you look at you know, Roy Williams is on campus when Bob Stoops shows up, <laughs> and he became a pretty good player. You know, yeah, he was all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe this is maybe this is a situation. A couple years, we look back and say, "Oh, they did have that talent. It was just about putting it in the right spot and giving it the right mentality." I think Neville Gallimore is a guy that could lead that charge because he is really athletically gifted. He was athletically gifted at a bigger size, a heavier weight, so slim down more focused on sort of taking advantage of this one last season in college and what could that mean for him. You know, he's got a lot of things pointing in that direction. It's got to all come together. But if a guy like that starts to see some impacts, that could maybe trickle to these other guys to say, ah, I get it. The light's on. Let's go. Yeah. Jenny, sort of feeding off what you said, I was going to ask Joe, uh, Jenny mentioned Neville Gallimore is a guy who really has a chance to break out because of of what this defense is. Who's another guy in your mind who who you think maybe hadn't contributed much or you know is as uh, hasn't been just a, a big time guy for them that has a chance to to really break out and and be that guy this year? Well, I think I think it's Jalen Redmond. I mean, he's a guy I wrote about Sunday, and I, I kind of pulled the room a little bit um, on at OU's media day asking them you know we from an outside perspective really haven't seen Jalen Redmond at his best because um, he's been dealing with recurring blood clots he was initially rolled out all of last season did come back for a three-game stretch was then rolled out again and you just heard like these big you know these very impressive uh, descriptions about Jalen Redmond like Trey Brown called him unstoppable Ronnie Perkins who's another one of these guys <laughs> who could break out called him a game changer um, so if he's able to stay healthy, and I know he's he's been limited some. He wasn't in full pads yesterday, but Lincoln Riley did say he was going to proceed without limitation, so kind of conflicting there, but he, he's definitely a guy. Yeah, I, I think Redmond, you know, I've I cover, spent a lot of time covering high school uh, football before I moved over to cover OU, and it's rare that you see a game-changing type of defensive lineman in high school. I think D.J. Ward was that yeah. at Lawton, just a guy who really pops off the page at you. 
you know, especially because when you're covered high school, and, and Jenny, you know this as well as anybody, you have to keep your own stats and things like that. So you're so much into what's going on with the ball that you don't get to just focus in on a defensive lineman or a yeah. linebacker. But DJ Ward was one of those guys who you just went, oh, my, this guy is something different. Mm-hmm. Jalen Redmond was that guy at Midwest City, really – is a guy you always kept your eye on for for what he was going to do and i think he can do that at this level too so it's going to be really interesting to see if he's able to stay healthy avoid any more blood clot issues i think he's got a great chance to be a a really successful player in alex grinch's system i'm going to go on the back end of the defense with a guy that i actually wrote about today uh chance sylvie I was kicking around between Sylvie and uh, Justin Broyles, who I think fits in really well with what Alex Finch wants to do. But Sylvie, if he can keep the speed that he had before, he's a really fast guy. I know he's coming back from that Achilles, but it's been uh, a year and a half now, and he said he's back to 100% moving around like he was before. Lincoln Riley said better than before. Um, I I think he's got a guy who's, who's a guy who's really got a chance to break out and perform really well and finally live up to that potential that we thought we saw in him when he arrived on campus. He's played in a lot of games, but uh, hasn't been a star, and I I think he's got a chance to be a big-time guy in uh, what Alex Grinch likes to do. Who's that linebacker you guys think might? Deshaun White immediately pops to my mind when I think about guys at that position. I know Kenneth Murray is getting a lot of pub, but Deshaun White seems like a guy that might, become a name that's rolling off a lot of tongues before we get too far into this season yeah i was talking to brian odom a little bit at practice yesterday and deshaun white was the name that he you know kept bringing up and Mm. what's interesting deshaun white has a pretty good mentor right now he he says he calls him coach kelly but caleb kelly (laughs) has been he, he deshaun said every time he came off the field like he knew in his head like what mistake he made on that play but he said caleb always like knew exactly what i was thinking as far as like the mistake he made so um, I also think it means, you know, Deshaun White's probably pretty good if Caleb Kelly's putting all that time into, you know, wanting him to be good. Yeah, and I, I think to me there's no question that Deshaun White is that guy. You know, just looking at the breakdown of linebackers on this team, and you've got some names that, you know, maybe they wind up uh, being really good in this defense. You know, guys like Levi Draper and uh, Brian Osamoa, uh, Ryan Jones, guys that we've seen bits and pieces of. Uh, last year, but uh, Deshaun White is the guy that I I go back to listening to uh, Tim Kish just rave about him last year. Obviously, Tim Kish no longer uh, on the staff after retiring, but uh, Kish just raved about this guy, and I I think that he's got a chance to be a, a force there in the middle and uh, making those plays that this uh, linebacking group just hasn't made the last few seasons. So let's uh, we're going to take another break here and come back uh, for our final segment. But want to bring up something that we haven't talked about and we're really excited about. I want you to uh, bookmark Red River Rivalry Radio dot com. That's a, m- a mouthful. <laughs> I was going to say we've Red added another one. Huh? River Rivalry Radio dot com for Oklahoma Texas Week. We're going to launch a twenty four hour seven day long pop up radio station celebrating the historic rivalry. There'll be some uh, a lot of views on the Oklahoma side for myself, Jenny, Joe, Barry Trammell uh, was also a big part of it, and uh, some views on the Texas side by uh, our friends down there in Austin, guys like Cedric Golden, Kirk Bowles, Brian Davis. Uh, 
really uh, look forward to doing this. We're going to go live on October 5th in preparation of the October 12th showdown. But uh, please bookmark that. Keep it ready to go that week. I'm Ryan Aber, and this is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. And uh, we spent some time talking about the, the defense as a whole, talked a little bit about individual players, but uh, Jenny, safety is such a big part of what Oklahoma wants to do with that, what Alex Grinch wants to do mm-hmm. uh, in in that secondary. But it's also one where there's not a whole lot of guys who you can just write down in ink yeah. there. Um, what do you make of that group right now? There's uh, you know guys like Robert Barnes and, and Broyles, Justin Broyles that I mentioned, Chance Sylvie, DeLaren Turner-Yell that we've seen flashes of, yeah. but we haven't seen one of them just grab hold of this thing yet yeah potential a lot of potential I mean I think when you start talking about those guys that you mentioned I mean um, I think that the you know athleticism the abilities are there and probably most of those guys frankly to to possibly do that but I mean I think that's that's one of those things that um, that potential that's not realized to me when you think about these last few years, I mean, we, we, we've written stories and we've seen it, um, you know, come to pass that potential never quite got there. I mean, we, uh, I, I think that Caleb Kelly, for one, we talked about him last segment, but, you know, last year there was some talk about him feeling like, um, you know, the potential was there, but did he get there? And so, you know, I think that's unlocking the key. And I don't know which one comes forward. Uh, Turner Yell is probably the one that's most interesting to me just because um he kind of seems to be the name that bubbles up a lot but is he ready to step into that position yet such a critical um spot i don't know um you wrote about chance sylvie ryan today which was really interesting with his obviously injury comeback and um in the bowl game he didn't he did he miss all of the second half how much didn't he get hurt or uh Knocked down at one point. I don't. Yeah, I, I think remember. so. He didn't. He didn't play a ton, but okay. was able to get back and play in the bowl game, which for him just that was a yeah a victory. But he still wasn't even a hundred percent coming back from the Achilles injury. Yeah, which I think sort of shows what kind of position they were in at safety uh, to to have to throw him out there in their biggest game of the year at less than a hundred percent. Of course, I think it also shows just how good he can be, be yeah. if he's able to. Uh, get back from that yeah yeah and I, I think that uh, I mean you just said potential <laughs> five <laughs> seconds ago so I think that's kind of the um, the thought is that uh, you know these guys there's talent there if there wasn't some talent yeah. Oklahoma wouldn't have recruited him in the first place well not only Oklahoma like every other program right. that went after these guys right. wouldn't have. you know Buki Radley Hiles had every program in the country yeah. want him Caleb Kelly had every program in the country wanting him yeah so these aren't guys who OU's just picked off of the scrap heap and, you know, right. beat out Fresno State for them. Sorry, right. Fresno State fans, if you're listening. Just the first wow. name that came Burn. to mind. <laughs> Shot shade <laughs> out over the Bulldogs. State. Hello. All right. I actually, you. I like Fresno State. That's why I just brought it up. a funny but way I'm, of showing it. it. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> You know my point. I know. It's like me saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, some sort of random 
place in Oklahoma when I'm trying to come up <laughs> with somewhere far away. No, I get it. And I Tahlequah, Miami. Exactly. Miama. Exactly. Godibo. That's my <laughs> that's my go-to. I go to with Godibo. Um, but I think that that's that's going to be the key. I mean, I think we have seen that it's one thing to recruit, it's another thing to develop. And at the college level, you know, the NFL once they get there, they're already pretty good. They're going to have to be developed to some degree, but they're already pretty good if they're getting to that level. But at the college level, that jump between high school and college is that's pretty significant in, in the way that you've got to be ready to play and, and what, you're, what you're called upon to do. So developing that talent, there's been, I mean, let's be honest, there's been some holes in that development because you can honestly say that there are several spots on that Oklahoma defense that – it hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been good enough in the development. So that is on Roy Manning, Alex Grinch, Brian Odom to 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 get those guys who were recruited and rightly so because they are talented, but to evolve that into something that can can really benefit the Sooners come game day. Yeah, and no doubt about it. Uh, Joe, I want to ask you. We got a, a brief glimpse at practice yesterday. Got to see some guys who weren't uh, suited out, guys like uh, Kennedy Brooks. You mentioned Jalen Redman. Which of those maybe is the most concerning for for OU uh, in the long term? Not a whole lot of injuries right now, but some some key ones. Yeah, I think – I mean, I know we touched on Redman, but I think he really is key because from all indications he would have – been a, a really big contributor last year had he been healthy yeah and so, he looked really good when he got on the field right. there I think it was the TCU game yeah uh really started showing some flashes quickly yeah and then I mean Kennedy Brooks obviously um you know I think we know that his situation yesterday wasn't tied to the title nine investigation that he was recently involved with um but I think his presence is important just because they're not super deep at running back behind Trey. I mean, you've got Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks there, but um, he would be important. But I I think anytime we're talking about OU, you focus on the defensive guys first and having enough depth on that side. The offense is probably going to be fine. If Jalen Redmond could have been a contributor as a true freshman last year, I mean, that says something. Your, yeah. your defensive line... I mean, linemen that can contribute a, right away in any form or fashion, <laughs> even if it's ten plays a game, that's significant. So if if he's at a if he was at a position a year ago to do that, to to be able to have him available now, you know, are they going to have other bodies on the defensive line? Yeah, but if you really want to start to play the kind of defense that Alex Grinch wants to play, that's the type of guy that you hope is available to you. Yeah, I think Neville Gallimore put it this way he said that he would have been one of the guys last year which says something wow. especially coming from their best defensive lineman yeah it's re- it's hard for freshmen to get off the field on the field on the lines and i think what redmond was able to do even coming back from the blood clot to get back on the field only played a, a few games but uh that was significant but i think i think the kennedy brooks injury is maybe i want to say really concerning because all indications are it's not some kind of major thing that's going to keep him out for a long time but we've seen OU teams go in with really good running back depth that got wiped out really fast true. in that's recent true. years yep. and this is a team that has two that they feel really really good about in uh, Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon who I think again I think I mentioned this every week but Trey Sermon is might be the most overlooked sooner 
certainly on offense. That's true. Uh, because I think people forget just how good he's been <laughs> because of what Kennedy Brooks was able to do last year and because of what Rodney Anderson has done uh, sort of during his first two years, or during Trey Sermon's first two years that sort of overshadowed him. But uh, I think they feel okay about Ramondre Stevenson, the ju- Juco running back. But after that, you've just got walk-ons and Marcus Major, a freshman. Right. T.J. Pledger. Oh, yeah, T.J. Well. Pledger uh, also. I think they feel pretty good about them. But, uh, but Pledger, that, Pledger's a smaller guy. You don't necessarily want to have to use him. Right. A lot. A yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he can be. 5'9", 195. Uh, yeah. I think he's certainly got a role in this offense. Oh, yeah. But it's not, uh, you know, the workhorse type no. that uh, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks can be. So that's going to be really interesting to see if, anything is it keeps uh, one of those running backs off the field long term that could be a problem for this team yeah and you know it's going to be interesting too with uh with this offensive line evolving i think we all believe at some point they'll they'll get it figured out but boy if you've got you've got to have running backs who are able to block and uh you know trey sermon i think has been a capable blocker by all accounts but that's sort of where when you're talking about younger guys or inexperienced guys getting their arms around all the stuff they got to do out there, that that's when you start to get a little bit skittish about playing a heavy dose of a junior college guy <laughs> or a freshman or whatever. You kind of – I would think in the early going, that's going to be a real balancing act for OU to figure out. Like you don't want to, you know, run your running backs into the ground by putting them out there to block, but that may be where they – are as important as anything is to make sure that that offensive line has time to develop. So they just need to get CD Lamb in there to teach him how to block. <laughs> Put him in the backfield, <laughs> like a fullback, lead blocker. Yeah. <laughs> Forget Troy James. <laughs> yeah. Put CD Lamb back there. He would probably say yes. Bring it on. He yeah. sounds like he's okay with uh, throwing a block every once Which, in a while. CD Lamb blocking is one of the most fun things. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fun things to watch about CD Lamb's game. But seeing him lay the, the blocks that he's laid, especially the one against Alabama, mm-hmm. I know we got ejected for one uh, earlier in the season, but uh, it's it's just fun watching somebody who can do so much physically with the ball yeah. do that without the ball. You know, it's funny. I, I know I mentioned OSU before, but I, I, I walk in both worlds, so I'm allowed mm-hmm. to, to bring that to the uh, Sooners Extra. But it's cool that we have two great receivers in the state in C.D. Lamb, and uh, Tylen Wallace, and both of those guys are big time blockers. We wrote about well, we wrote about Tylen Wallace being on the uh, video for the crackback blocks that are now going to be <laughs> illegal. I wouldn't be surprised if CD Lamb's on there too. Well, I don't C- know that for sure, back but to back but CD so- Lamb, <laughs> Lamb <laughs> actually <laughs> down in uh, Arlington talked to CD Lamb about blocking. And we talked about the Alabama block, right. and he said he thought he was going to get ejected for that. Yeah. He thought that that was maybe more of a, a targeting call than the one that he was ejected for <laughs> earlier in the season. Now I think it's pretty clear it would be a, a targeting penalty after some of the rule changes that they had yeah. over the off season. But, uh, yeah, both of them are fantastic blockers, and uh, they walk that line, which is what you've got to do. Uh, in, in that spot. Yeah, but now with that rule change, I mean, C.D. Lamb is going to have to be aware of that. He can't – I mean, maybe it happened. I mean, it's, is it going to happen? I don't know. Could it happen? Sure. But to 
be more mindful of not sort of I think decleating has become the 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 word de jour as it relates to this, but doing more of a chip uh, to to get a guy you know off his it's stride. Just almost sort of setting a pick. Yeah, is what they want you to do exactly. I mean, and I'm sure that's easier said than done because it's moving so fast. But yeah. and it seems we could talk about this for <laughs> an hour and a half. I know. <laughs> but it seems like that could lead to more injuries in in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, so it's and they they've adjusted it, and who knows? Maybe in another year they're adjusting it again. Um, safety issues they can look at it from year to year, so we'll see. But that is something to keep an eye on because those guys they've been doing it the same way for years, and so the idea that suddenly you're changing it, it's going to have to change some muscle memory. Um, but he's he's way too good to be sitting on the sidelines so they're gonna have to be aware of that yeah so anyway we got off on a little bit of a digression there at the end but those are always fun we're gonna wrap it up but for today we're gonna be back later this week with another ou podcast also gonna take your questions which uh i'll be soliciting on twitter and uh joe and jenny i'm sure will do the same but uh, thank you so much for joining this sooners extra podcast they're gonna do the same they just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just learning of it right now but uh, we're th- in thank you for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast from the Oklahoman uh, you can reach us uh, on Twitter uh, R.Y. Aber uh, Joe remind me of remind people of your uh, Twitter account where they can find you uh, it's Joe underscore Masato that's M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O and Jenny Jenny Carlson underscore okay the only one without an underscore still but uh <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much. The Sooners Extra Podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com.